Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, What is Culture? My name is Rocco Longarello, and you're listening to episode number five of season five. Hope you're doing well. So today I share a revealing yet casual conversation with my friend and colleague, Lauren Robinson. Tango's Director of Service Excellence, who began as a service delivery manager with Rivermine back in 2012. So Lauren and I both work in the Shelton, Connecticut office, or at least we did many months ago in those pre-COVID days. So in a minute, you'll hear a conversation that really sounds like two friends having a chat on the front porch of a home in small town Kentucky. You'll notice the sounds of birds and insects and even passing cars as Lauren takes time out of her vacation with her husband and two daughters to talk about her progression here at Tango. Challenges posed by COVID-19, the struggles of a working parent, tell me about it, and the current state of our company culture, including what we can or should start doing more of to help nurture it in these crazy times. Plus, Please stay tuned at the end of Lauren's interview to hear a conversation from a surprise guest who gives us a short yet revealing account of her experience joining the Tango team in March in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, I really enjoyed this episode, so let's get to it. Here's my conversation with the very passionate, positive, and insightful Lauren Robinson. Let's all learn from her. Yeah, so give us the story. Like, how did you meet somebody from Kentucky? Because you were born and raised in Connecticut, right? Yep, I was born and raised in Connecticut. I went to the George Washington University in D.C. And my husband was stationed in the Army in Arlington. And we met at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's all right. And it it went all uphill from there. So, um, yeah, we met at a bar and I'm dated for a couple of years. I graduated, he got out, and then we actually moved back to Louisville, Kentucky for a couple of years, and he went to U of L. Okay. And then I moved him back to Connecticut with me. So what's his, what's your husband's name? I always forget. Jared. Jared. And so he his family has always lived in Kentucky? Yes. Born and raised. Yeah. So then you you have that similar experience that I do where my family's from Connecticut and my wife's family's from Ohio. So, you know, I'm almost like jealous of the families that both sets of in-laws are within like 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. Cause it's exactly, you have like four, four grandparents to choose from. And I don't have that luxury. We've never had that luxury. And I think people who uh, are lucky enough to live right next to their both sets of in-laws, they don't realize like, what a blessing that is. There's a lot of sacrifices that we make and um, Shannon's parents make because they don't get to see their granddaughter, you know, at all. Oh, I know. Basically. I know. Yeah. It's so great when we come here, too, because they get their alone time and it's fun and it's different. It's exciting. So they're having a ball. And actually, we drove, obviously, because of um, coronavirus. It was a 12 hour yeah. drive. Yeah. And uh, I was like, God, this is going to be torture with these two kids. But they were angels and it went really well. So how old are your daughters? Two and four. Lily's my oldest. She's four. And Charlotte is two. What was it like traveling 12 hours during a pandemic? Um, It was a little scary. Um, yeah. Definitely over. We're overthinking when we should leave. Right. Like we wanted to leave during the night so they could sleep. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, what if nothing's open? And Connecticut's starting to put the travel bans on all the other states. So we're just trying to be extra cautious 
and we actually decided to just drive straight through the day. Um, and they did good. I mean, they didn't touch anything. We stopped the least amount of times we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, we ate in the car, like stretched our legs in like little parking lots and stuff. So it was definitely a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to be extra cautious, I think. 12 hours is not fun at, at any moment. But yeah, like, so you guys have to be worried about even taking rest stops to use the, the bathrooms, right? Oh my gosh, yes. And I'm just a germ freak anyways. So like, don't touch anything, don't touch anything. Um, but my youngest, Charlotte, we were stopping and Jared and I put our masks on, of course. And the girls have those little like neck mask gaiters, I think they call them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Shar, you don't have to wear it. You're little. She's like, I'm humongous. I have to wear it. Okay, <laughs> if, if if you want to. So I had this little two year old walking with the mask on. It was just, she's too cute. She has no idea what's going on. Thank God. But you know, oh you have God. to find the good in it, right? Yeah. What a time to be alive, right? My God. I know. I know. Do you know it's been 137 days since we've been in the office? <laughs> you would look- know that number. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you know you could do this thing where you Google how many days since and then you put in the last date, right? So okay. how many days since March 13th? It's oh. 137 days. God, Rocco, I'll never forget that day. What? Yeah. I won't. I mean, I remember we got that that meeting invite that we had to go to. And I was walking to my desk when it started and I just saw Bob's face on everybody's computer. And I was like, gosh, this is like a movie. What is going on? It was terrifying because it was so unknown. And then they just sent everybody home and it was just scary. We all thought we were going to be back, what, in two weeks? And here we are 137 days later, still not going back. Yeah. And a lot of us are not going back till the end of December. End of the year. Yeah. We haven't even done half of the time, right? So there's still right. <laughs> there's still more time left than we I know. have heard. Yeah. And you know me. I love the office. I'm like Miss Social. So mm-hmm. I uh, every time I think about it, it just sorry, now I have a truck driver now. Um No what I did it's funny, I feel like you have a little bit of a southern accent all of a sudden. Do you like pick up a southern drawl when you when you go oh, visit your in-laws. <laughs> I know. And I feel like my husband doesn't have one. I just don't notice it. And mm-hmm. I just feel like I pick it up just from being with him. And my in-laws have strong Southern accents. But, That's yeah, I feel like I just get it a little bit. I don't know why. No, yeah. I, it's really cool. No, it's funny. <laughs> I I had a friend in college who was from England. And she came here when she was, like, 12. And, and like, her accent kind of disappeared. But whenever she got on the phone with like her her parents or they mm-hmm. came to visit all of a sudden she just had this it comes back yeah all of a sudden she has this accent so it's like a a reflex almost right yeah yeah it's so interesting it's very weird and i'll never forget when i started working for then rivermine um in louisville i had no idea how to even say louisville and Donna Savick. I worked with Donna Savick. She's one of the first people I met in our cute little office down here. It was like, oh, I'm in Louisville. And they just look at you like, no, no, that's not how we say this here. You better learn fast, girl, because <laughs> you can't live here and call it Louisville. So how should you say it? Well, I still don't think I say it 100%, but it's like Louisville. They like Louisville. draw it all together. Yeah. Gotcha. 
So yeah, take us back to your like how you started at Tango. So what was your first role initially with Tango? Okay. So when my husband moved back to go to U of L, I was frantically trying to find a job in Kentucky. And I found a job at Rivermine as a mobile SDM in Louisville. And Rocco, I will never forget, I walked in and they were having their team meetings with all their SDMs. And at that time it was, we had a mobile SDM team in Louisville. And then the fixed team, I believe was in uh, New Jersey, um, still at the time. And I didn't know what they were talking about. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna understand this. I'm not gonna get this at all. I was a poli-sci major and worked for nonprofits in college. Mm-hmm. So I just kept going and trying to learn. I'm like, I manage my own cell phone bill. I should be able to pick this up. But it was just, it's like they were talking in code. You're saying like the jargon was difficult to understand. Yeah. yeah like and I went home. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Jared, I'm not going to understand this. I don't know what they're talking about. They have this Rivermind thing and it does something. And I don't even know. There's like all this stuff. Um, but Thank God I had such great people mentoring me. I said I worked with Donna Savick, Trish Bertil, Chris Bonowitz. They were so amazing. They were so patient with me. And um, I just learned so much. And I picked it up and I got my first clients. And once you get your clients and you're in the application, you just you just get it and you keep mm-hmm. going. So um, I started doing that. And then when we got acquired by IBM, uh, they put me over the mobile team as a manager of the mobile SDMs. And then, gosh, I'm going to get all my years jumbled up. But um, <laughs> yeah. then we, I was like, you know what? Jared graduated and IBM started shutting down our offices. I'm like, this is really our opportunity to move back to Connecticut. So we moved back to Connecticut and I started going into the Sandy Hook office when we acquired Vodafone. Gotcha. And yeah, so I got a bigger team. I got the Vodafone team, and then I started managing some fixed. And now I'm uh, one of the directors over the service excellence team, and I have SDMs on some legacy platforms, CMP, Command. I have some on our fixed platform, some on our mobile platform. I still have a little bit of Rivermind. So I've definitely expanded my scope, I guess, and have seen a lot of different platforms and a lot of migrations. and. It's just so exciting to look back at where I started and where I am now. And I really have loved growing with this company. So what year was it when you first started back with Rivermine? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think it was 2012. Okay. So you've so that counts as your because I was just talking to Stephanie Newman last week. And so that Tango counts that as your your original hire date. Is that mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yep. So you've been with Tango eight years. Yeah. Eight years. It's okay. crazy. And it's flown by. Well, the last few months has not flown by and has flown by at the same time. Right. I know. <laughs> we said 137 days. That that's a long time, but it's also this weird reality since March is I, I haven't really there's like no concept of days of the week anymore. It's like why how is friday even different from tuesday i know um and how have you have you adapted to this situation yeah like how do you yeah in general like what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced being kind of under lockdown for the last several months yeah so my whole motto to life since i've had kids is it's a phase 
and you just have to get through the phase until you get to the next phase. So I feel like when they first sent us home, it was really hard because. Um, we yeah, I hear were, the truck. I know. I'm sorry. That's we okay. Yeah, you take your in time. a point at the office. I felt like where we had such a strong culture and people were collaborating and people enjoyed each other and enjoyed coming to work. And I mean, you know, Rocco, I had great friendships with you and with everybody there. So when they first sent us home, I'm like, I miss that. Like I miss obviously working because that's why I'm there in the Tango office. It was such a great office, but I miss that social interaction. And at first it was really hard. And then you know, I just got to see my kids every day because they were home. And I just said, I'm never going to get this time with them. So I'm going to just appreciate this part of the phase with mm -hmm. my kids and getting to see them every single day. And my husband works a crazy schedule. So I get to see him so much more. So I just learned to appreciate the little things. Um, and then when they kept pushing it back, it's like, oh, gosh, this is how much longer are we going to have to do this? And, um, you know, very recently I had to make a decision on what to do with my kids. I mean, they're not in school, which is great because that brings other challenges, but they still were in daycare and Jared and I actually made the decision to send them back part-time and that's hard. Like, are you doing the right thing? Is it safe? And then don't get me started on people's judgments of it. It's like, everything's so unknown right now that Jared and I are just like, you know what? We made this decision. We're going to stick with it and it's what's best for our family. And so far it's been great. So, um, I just think all of the unknowns in the world make it so hard, but if you just kind of compartmentalize it and work through every challenge as a phase that you're going to get through, it's been helping me get through this whole thing. Yeah. That's a good approach that it is a phase. This is, yeah, it has to be. It, <laughs> it has to get better, please. It has to. Yeah, yeah, no, it has to. Well, and I'm glad that you, because I'm in the similar, well, not really, but my situation, so my daughter's a year and a half about, and so we we just decided that daycare was not an option for us, mm -hmm. but my wife was home uh, working, okay. so we kind of like figured out a plan where it was like we took shifts. So mm -hmm. she would watch Leah at one point and we would just trade off. And at first it was really tough, but we kind of reached, um, we kind of got into a rhythm, but with school coming next year, that's already kind of started yeah. us having like these anxious conversations. Cause my wife's a school counselor uh. and yeah. And if she has to go in, then we have to figure out what our um, situation is with childcare. And it's almost like not worth talking about yet. Cause like you said, there's so many unknowns who knows mm -hmm. what's going to happen. Um, Cause I tend, I mean, that's kind of where you can get, you start going down the rabbit hole of despair when you start thinking about all these unknowns. Exactly. Um, but there are days when you have, I, I don't know if you tell me if you've experienced this feeling that I never thought I would feel in my entire life where you feel guilty that you're working. Yes, I was going to tell you that it's been so hard being upstairs in my office and having my kids downstairs. And it's like they know you're there, but you're not parenting them the way you usually do. And it it's been very hard for me. I feel so guilty. And that 
partially led to our decision to send them back part-time is they missed the structure mm-hmm. of school and having that attention and doing what they they normally are used to doing. So, um, yeah, that guilt is is really hard. That's really funny. Hard. I don't think I've ever brought that up with anyone before, but it's <laughs> it's reassuring to hear you kind of share that feeling. But I'm telling you, yeah. like, you know, even especially now, because my my wife's on break from school, right, for the summer. <laughs> and there's days when I I have to work like I'm working. Yeah. And and I know she's kind of could use me. <laughs> to, to kind of relieve her for an hour and I'm just like oh my god I feel like it's this weird guilt for working that I never thought I would feel in my life oh my it's gosh so strange it is so strange and it's funny because Lily like when she wakes up from nap she comes in and she says hi and sometimes I'll be on a call and I'm like you know what I'm her mom I'm not going to tell her to leave when she wakes up because she wants to give me a kiss like I can pause the phone call and so many of my clients are oh how is she you know they talk to her and mm-hmm. stuff but it's hard because they're having such an adjustment too. Although sometimes I think they cope with it better than we do. <laughs> they do. I'm so, sure that they do. I well, know. And, yeah. But um, it's difficult, but everyone kind of understands that this isn't a perfect world. And if you have kids screaming in the background, like you can't hold that against anybody. We're all doing right. the best that we can. Exactly. Exactly. And at one point, I think, I was talking to one of my senior managers when we had just started going back home and I had two dogs, two kids by myself and our puppy Riggs was barking and Sophie wanted to go out and the kids wanted to go outside. I was like, oh my gosh, how on earth am I going to do this? And you just, you figure it out. But those moments, it's like, holy cow, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I have days where I'm like, this is too much. And I have a really good friend of mine who's also a dad. And we we kind of talk and share stories about, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to I feel like I'm going to just I can't do it anymore. Like you you yeah. need somebody to have that conversation with because you have these irrational thoughts and you're just like mm-hmm. so stressed out. But it's nice to hear that you're not alone. And it's really like for me when I'm having when I'm struggling with like being a dad and juggling work, I always reach out to a friend who I know has a similar situation because they, they just, they empathize with it. And I need that. I need that. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I mean, I have a good group of mom friends who I talk to, but my friends and my coworkers from the office and, you know, from all of Tango that I talk to have been so accepting and we've gotten to like a different level, right? Because we're all in this crazy situation, going through this you know, crazy time in the world, dealing with these things that we never thought we'd have to deal with. And, you know, I've built different and stronger relationships, both professionally and personally with the people I've worked with. And it's not the same culture we used to have in the office, but it's definitely a positive culture. And like you said, one of empathy, And, you know, we used to have so much fun in Shelton and do all these fun things and all these events, but that's not what we need right now. I mean, we have the happy hours that are virtual and they're great, but I feel like the culture of compassion and empathy and understanding Mm. has developed at Tango at a time when we really need that for each other. That's really, yeah, that's really interesting because it, before when you mentioned how right, it kind of right at the time where we where the executive team decided that 
it was best to work from home. And it was like an indeterminate time at that point. I feel like we were at the pinnacle of our quote culture at the Mm -hmm. office. And there was just, we were at a point where people truly like enjoyed each other. And it was really kind of, like I said, at its height. And then when this happened, I was really worried about what was going to happen. And I still worry about it. And I don't know if we're doing all that we can to help nurture our culture like we were in the office. And Mm -hmm. I've kind of been thinking about it a lot and figuring out ways to improve it. And it's just really difficult because, you know, I think the reality is everybody right now is doing our best to juggle so many things that it's difficult to find time to focus like we should maybe on right. um, on that. And, it, and no one's to blame. And I love that you said we need a culture of compassion and we've kind of evolved that naturally. Mm-hmm. But I just, I wonder what we can do more of across all of our locations to help nurture the culture because I, I just don't feel it. It's not the same. You know, if you go look at our team's channel, um, mm-hmm. the Shelton, everybody in Shelton, and really a lot of the location team's channels, it's like, it's ghost crickets. Town. It's know. a ghost town. I know. Yeah. And I think it's like that cheesy, and my sister says it to me all the time, but like, you need to be the change that you want to see, right? And it, I believe so that's a Gandhi quote. I always, and I'm taking, you know, I'll take responsibility partly for it because I haven't made it a point to think what can we do better to get people more active and Mm -hmm. and, but at the same time maybe we just need space maybe people just need time for themselves right now maybe this is healthy but I don't yeah I don't I don't know I kind of struggling with that lately you know what I mean yeah it's interesting because I feel like this space was good and everybody was focusing on how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to stay safe and keep my family safe and make these big decisions? But like you said, it's been 137 days. Maybe it is time to step it up and, and do something different and improve and work on our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe people need it now. Maybe they did need to take a step back, evaluate, figure it out. And now they'll be ready for this and receptive to it. Right. Right. Because it wasn't that long ago that we were notified that most of us will be working from home until Mm -hmm. essentially January 1st. Right. And that's several months. Right. I know. And I, I think we should maybe reach a point now where it's like, okay, what can we do now? Like we, we need to kind of step it up a little bit and be creative because clearly no one's can attend. Nothing's like come down to the break room at 1230. Like that's gone. And I agree with you. Let's figure mm -hmm. something out. Now I'm thinking. Yeah, I know. And a lot of things, a lot of it too, is you want to create something that is not going to be, you want to make it as easy as you can for people. Exactly. Exactly. But you, and it, you don't have to be part of the culture committee to do it. I think you just no. have, yeah, you know what I mean? Just um, like the, the crickets that I see on teams, you know, I could be posting stuff on there. 
it takes one person and then let it trickle through and then it becomes bigger. It was, it was the same within the office. It took a really long time to break that Sandy Hook orange, you know, divide. It takes people putting time and effort into it, like you said, and hitting that moment of, okay, we're, we're in this together. We're back and we can do it. And it's just going to be different. Mm-hmm. What? So wait, what the Sandy Hook and orange divide? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, I don't What's think you that? were there for that. Oh gosh. I might get in trouble for this. Um, so I started going into the Sandy Hook office in Newtown and that was the legacy Vodafone office. Okay. And then the Tango headquarters was in Orange, Connecticut, and they decided to get rid of both of those offices and move us both to Shelton. And so they, ah. they smushed both the offices together. And oh gosh, I'll never forget it. I was, it was so like West pregnant. Side Story or something. Yes. Oh my gosh, I was so pregnant. And we were <laughs> all there. Nobody talked. It was either you talk to your Sandy Hook people or you talk to your Orange people, and it was so divided. It was crazy. What so year are divided. we talking about? Um, I had Charlotte in 2018, and I think it was the end of 2017 we moved. Okay. I think around there, and it was so divided. And then we had our Christmas party that was so nice, so so nice. Everybody was dancing, and we had a great dinner. And it was, we went back to the office the next time, the next day, or after the holidays. And it was like a whole new world. One team collaborating, talking. People were in the break room talking, meeting each other. It's like a flip of a switch, but it took all that time for people to feel comfortable. And okay, we're in this together. We are still on the same team. We do the same things, you know, and it just broke down so many walls. Wow. So it, we kind of need to do that again. We need to have that like aha moment. We do. It's, I don't know. I'm glad to, I haven't really talked about it with anybody, but I feel like it's like this thing where I feel like the culture is, I don't know, I can't pinpoint it, but I feel like this whole situation with COVID and everybody that is being really affected by it, mm-hmm. it's, it's really difficult to make time to enjoy work. Yes. You're just doing your job lately. That's kind of the the impression that I get and, and no, and I don't want to speak for everyone, mm-hmm. but it's it, because when you're in the office, there's time for that. And kind of when you're home, it's like, okay, any time that I have free, like I need to go do this. I have an appointment. I got to take care of my kids. I got to go visit my, my grandmother or whatever. Like it, mm-hmm. <laughs> we oh, have yeah. to navigate a new world. Yeah, you do. And it's hard. I mean, I worked from home for a couple of years. And I went into the Sandy Hook office just because I just needed socialization. I just, I didn't leave the house. I had a new baby and I just needed to get out. And then we're in this COVID-19 situation where we're in lockdown. You can't get out, can't do anything. You're scared. I mean, I don't know about you, but I went to Home Goods when it opened and I felt so guilty for going to Home Goods. I mean, come on. Um, Yep. It's like I, we're all cooped up again and we need to like re-navigate how to do this. It's and weird. I would yeah, it is. And I would have to assume that it's a, a similar feeling being had with many people across all of our locations because mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I, I think just us talking about it and shedding some light on it is is a good start because I, I don't really so have. Yeah, I don't really have a solution. I mean, we could, you know, these events like, hey, let's do let's do virtual bingo. Like <laughs> that that could that could be good. That could be fun. But what's it really doing? We have to think more about yeah. like like you said, like we need to be we need to do things that demonstrate compassion because everyone's kind of in a very vulnerable state of mind yeah. right now. And it's um we could there use is, additional support. Yeah, I think so. I think on top of the pandemic, there's so much going on in the world. And I just think people really need to come together and understand that we all are different. We all have our differences and that we're all there for each other. I just feel like, you know, we've all had to stay home and then we have these great divides and there is a lot we can do to work through that and, and come together and just, yeah, like we said, be compassionate and just show people that we're there for them and it could be fun and games, but I think people need that just like a little bit more. Just, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how to explain it. But Me either. Yeah. It, it's, like, right. Right. Yeah. I just think everything is so serious right now and we just need to help each other out. Yeah. You know, even those days when you would go in the office and just the, the one interaction with Tina would just change your entire mood. Oh, yeah. You know, and like, okay, yeah. like, it's so great. You know, like, you just have a, a, a conversation with, with someone like Tina, and all of a sudden, it, it changes your mood, and you're just happier. Like, the, we don't have that anymore. We're just, we need to kind of find substitutes yeah. for for that, those moments of joy that we used to find when we would go into the office. I totally agree. And my wheels are spinning. I'm going to think of something we could brainstorm, but I just, just like you said, I can't tell you how many times Tina has snapped me out of it. Like, Oh on. yeah. You are so much better than this. Let's go, you know, get rid of that sad face and go back in there and do your thing. She's great. And I miss her. Yeah. <laughs> I miss I everybody. I know. And it's even like Trish Proctor. When I would talk to her, oh, she's got that like tough love kind of mentality that I love. And yeah, yeah, you're right. We we miss feeding off of the energy of of these people. Yep. Gosh, and Trish, that she has so much compassion. Let me tell you, she's been one who's helped me a lot through this. So, we yeah, we need to think of something. Yeah. We'll think of it. Okay. So, Lauren, one of the one of the key themes, obviously, for season five is to explore and, and discuss resilience. And so I just I was just wondering, you know, if you have an if there's an experience that you could share of, I don't know, maybe a challenging situation that you had to work to overcome. I just mm -hmm. I'm just curious if there's some story of resilience that you could share with us right now. Yes. One pops really? into my head. Oh, yeah. So we developed this new role, the CXM role, and I had Linda come in for an interview and she was so excited loved the office and I was talking the office up and the culture and we walked around and I was so excited and I knew the second she left she's my hire she's so perfect for this role we're going to collaborate she's in the office she's in Shelton this is going to be great well we 
offered her the job. She accepted. Two days later, we get sent home, and Linda's first day is remote. And there, <laughs> there from the is, get-go. From the get-go. And Linda was so excited to be in the office, and I could not have been more excited to have her in the office um, and just see firsthand how Tango is, how the culture is. It's so much easier to learn what we do when you're in an office. I know that from experience. Oh, and, course. you know, I sat there as a manager. I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? This is a new role. We're developing it. Linda's new, new to the industry. You know, we really need to be working together. And I need to make her successful. Like, this is, this is huge. And then on Linda's side, you know, she's coming into something brand new, a new job. And was so excited to be in the office, and I was just taken away in days. And um, today, I just couldn't be more excited to have Linda on my team. I don't know how she learned the industry and our clients as quickly as she did remotely. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, but we faced such adversity through the whole thing, um, and it showed how resilient she is. And it also showed how resilient we are as Tangaroos. The patience and the time people from all departments have taken to work with Linda and help her and show her what they do and how to navigate through everything Tango and with our clients is it was truly amazing to see. And um, that was probably one of the scariest things. <laughs> <laughs> that I've had to go through and I just felt terrible. But, you know, I was talking to my husband on the car right here and he's like, you can't have resilience without adversity. And he's right. And just so many different things we've had to fight through and overcome as a company. And Linda just proved that we are so strong. We have amazing employees who are so resilient um, and they really care about one another. And they want the best for everybody at Tango and our clients. So I'm just so grateful for my team and, and Tango in general. We really came together. Okay, it's time for our surprise guest. So while Lauren was telling me more about Linda Chaplinski, one of our newest customer experience managers, I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be cool to include her here in this episode so she can introduce herself and share some details about her experience starting a new job in the middle of a pandemic. Well, I reached out to Linda and she was more than happy to come on. So here's our conversation. Let's listen. Can you give us an idea of what exactly your responsibilities are? Sure. So they've actually morphed morphed a little bit, right? When Lauren and I met, uh, we talked a lot about the migrations that were going to be taking place from the legacy platforms into fixed. And then along with moving into this unique era that we're in, some of that was scaled back. So I haven't been working on implementations as much, uh, but it, but additionally, part of the role is to come in and support the SDM, help them out in a strategic way, lighten their loads where I can, right? And I like to refer to it as, as another resource for our client base and letting them feel even more love, right? They don't lose anything. They're not losing anything. They still have all their sponsors within the company. Their SDM's role isn't changing. So it's really just getting another set of arms around them. 
Got it. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you explain that. I, I'm I'm curious, considering the, the we keep saying the unique situation or whatever we want to call whatever's happening. It's bizarre. I like to call it bizarre. Twilight Zone probably sums it up. Yeah, Twilight Zone is good too. So, but really, do you do you feel you were given the tools and the support that you needed to be successful at your job, starting brand new, starting in a new role? I do. I do. Uh, folks within the company have been very responsive and very helpful. And I can say one cornerstone of the whole experience has been the patience that I feel Tango has had with those of us that came in at this time, because I wasn't the only one, right? There are other SD um, CXMs that were hired at the same time under the same circumstances. And I, I personally, right, don't want to speak for anyone else, but I'm grateful that Tango recognized that it was, it was suboptimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was going to be a little bit of a, of a steeper challenge to assimilate. So that was really, I, I'm grateful for that. Very appreciative of that. Great. So one last thing. Do you consider yourself a resilient person? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah? Why is that? How much time have you got? <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear a watch, but for some reason I just looked at my wrist. I have all the time in the world. What, so? No, I just, I'm someone that goes with the flow. You know, whatever you have today can be gone tomorrow. Whatever you don't have today, you can be blessed with tomorrow. Just soldier through and make the best of it. Um, one of my favorite, my second favorite quote is Winston Churchill. When you're going through hell, just keep on going. Mm. We are certainly going through hell right now. Some of us. Uh, I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep going because what else can you do? Yeah. Yeah, because we are going to get back to normal. We are going to get back to normal. So parentheses new, Rocco, in front of the word normal, that's not in my playbook. Well, I I appreciate taking the few minutes to meet you. I feel like we would get along great. I hope to see you in the office soon. Yes. And yeah, so just if there's one last thing if uh, that you want people, you know, I'm putting you on the spot kind of, but then that cheesy round table. So if we were, you were in the office for the first time and you were introducing yourself, what's one thing that you would want people to know about who you are? Um, I guess if I were introducing myself and my elevator pitch, right, would be, I'm a, I'm a resource, whatever, whatever you need. If, if I can help you, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, getting through this muddled mess we're in, with COVID, or if you're not sure where to go with a work-related issue or you need someone to bounce an idea off of, I always welcome the opportunity to be a resource. So that's the show. Thank you, Linda, for coming onto the podcast. I really enjoyed learning more about you and look forward to meeting you in person very soon. And of course, thank you, Lauren, for a great conversation. And thank you for taking time out of your vacation in Kentucky. I appreciate you sharing some of your challenges as a working parent, and it was helpful too to hear your philosophy that everything is a phase. That can often help those who are easily overwhelmed, such as myself, but really that's a great approach. Also, I was very happy that you and I shed some light onto the effect that COVID-19 has had on our culture now that the majority of us are working from home. And it's unfortunate that just as so many of us entered into this new world, the culture and the camaraderie within our office was at its height. But think about if it wasn't. 
Think about if we didn't have that positive energy and those friendships and those bonds. Things could have gotten dysfunctional in a hurry, but they didn't. We pull through together every day as a team. But still, I believe it's time now for all of us to think differently about what we can be doing more of to nurture the culture across all of our locations. And it's not only up to our culture committees. If you have any ideas for what we can all do to help foster a positive culture during these unusual times, please reach out to me. Let's have that conversation on or off the record. Let's brainstorm together. And Lauren, I'll be in touch soon to talk more about what you and I could do to step up the culture game. That is all. Thank you for listening. Thank you again, Linda. Thank you again, Lauren. Until next time.